hey everybody you are in for an absolute treat um yeah an absolute treat of a pod it is it is probably the best pod that we've done for a long time it's um yeah it's uh yeah i i, I can't I'm, I'm kind of struggling for words right now but it was an, an absolute pleasure you will be listening to six incredible individuals um two of them who have represented their country and and the other four would would like to um and we talk about community about football about purpose um about overcoming adversity and uh and all the stuff that i really care about so it's a it's a proper feel-good factor and it's uh left myself and i know it left tommy really energized at the end of it um so yeah you're really lucky and in for a treat for that we also do want to say a massive thank you to robbie at the hush connective for just being yeah just a key integral part of this pod uh this episode is actually being able to be done because we had a bit of a malfunction and robbie was a hero and came in remotely and helped us out um so thank you so much for the support and for getting us to where we are right now we couldn't have been there without you a uh, huge thank you to macron and to john o'reilly the support that you've given us um is taking a massive load off of sean and my shoulders and enabled us to be able to provide this content and do a lot of work in the community so that is terrific and it kind of fits the values that you have and the values that you've got with macron as well so remember to keep getting in touch with Macron for all your community football needs. Um, and a huge thank you to Rhiannon who joined us this year as a, as a sponsor. And we know that the players love getting the balance and revive player of the game. Um, and yeah, the work that you've been doing has been great. And the fact that, you know, we get to join forces and be together and do it in the name of football and try to give back to the players and to the community is terrific. So that's the end of, uh, I mean, you're still going to hear my voice, but that's the end of me talking for this one. Thank you all for listening for another great year. We ended up with another 10,000 downloads, which probably means another like 15,000 streams and listens um, this season alone, which smashes what we had last year so i'm glad that you guys are enjoying it we're absolutely enjoying doing it and providing it for yourselves as well you all take care all the best and um enjoy the off season the perth football podcast is proudly brought to you by macron store perth an industry leader in quality teamwear specializing in grassroots semi-pro and professional team attire visit the macron sports hub perth facebook page for more thank you to macron for helping us keep the pod running and for their continuous involvement in community sport football podcast i'm kalicho sonwa next to me is tommy dolman uh we have an absolute treat for you ladies and gentlemen it is uh, a perth football podcast wa paris special we've got the um Paris football championship is that what it's called what's what's the, the national t- paris national championship pa- we just call it nationals most of the time i think paris nationals championship the voice that you are hearing is uh, the voice of Pete Dawson, um, and next to him is his young lad, Ollie. Ollie, say hello. Hi. Awesome. Uh, we've got two individuals who are part of the scene who are going to be hopefully participating in an up-and-coming um, 
WA representatives and hopefully one day uh, potentially represent Spurs or potentially represent Australia in the process as well. Um, we're trying to do the special because we love football. Um, Chris Barty is a, a huge friend of the podcast and the fact that we've got this tournament happening in WA is such an absolute treat and we figured, hey, let's give our WA players a bit of shine. Let's talk a little bit about them and uh, and let's... Yeah, let's 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 spread some love and information to it. But firstly, we're, we're going to ask uh, you the, the big tough questions, Ollie. How good are Spurs right now? They look terrific, yeah. don't they? Yeah, they look terrific. And um and and Tommy, mate, how have you been keeping? You been well? Yeah, keeping pretty well, thanks, Kalichi. Long season. Just when the listeners thought they'd got rid of us, we're back again. We're back for one more. But look, just just to give us a quick introduction, Pete. Talk to us about talk to us about about Ollie and talk to us about about his story because it, it sounds like some pretty inspirational and cool stuff. Ah, uh, yeah. So Ollie, um, I mean, Ollie loves his his football. He um, he inherited Spurs, which was an unfortunate thing until probably. Well, I mean, it was good for a period there under Pochettino, but um, and Harry Redknapp as well. I don't think oh, he's old he, enough you know, for Redknapp. Old enough for Redknapp, and he wasn't really even half of Pochettino. He really shows you how old we are, Tommy. <laughs> he, probably the year the the Champions League happened was when we were watching. We were living in Melbourne, and because Melbourne has that time, seven o'clock kickoff in the morning, we could watch it before school. So we even had the Man City quarterfinal where um, Aguero extra time. Yeah, well, Aguero scored in injury time, or was it Sterling? Sterling? Sterling scored, but Aguero was offside. But we were, we were mourning already, and then it turns out it was offside. But he's been into it since then. But and that um, he'd started playing futsal a bit before that. Um, had always played at school, but he was a bit. I don't know if you'd remember Ollie, but he was a bit um, canny about how he played because Ollie has cerebral palsy, and so he's perhaps not as quick as his peers at school. Um, in, in pace and probably not as strong, particularly when you're looking at a five or six-year-old. But he worked out back then that if he went goalkeeper, he'd get the ball regularly as a freebie because the, um, there's a goal kick. He'd get himself a free kick and um, get to do it. Um, you don't remember that? Yeah. I didn't expect you to, but um, <laughs> it was. I thought it was pretty smart at the time. And then when we moved to Perth, he... Um, we, in fact, on the plane over here, I was sitting on the plane and my wife had mentioned that there was a Paris program in Perth and I tried to look for one in Melbourne and it was really hard to find anything yep. apart from a, um, a Facebook page or so, somewhere, it was actually a futsal players recruitment page um, looking for, um, doing some fundraising for the local Paris players to go to Sydney for a futsal championship. And I thought, well, why isn't there any more information about this? Ollie would, you know, it'd be great to meet these people and all that. Yeah. But um, I think Dylan Alcott or someone like that had shared on Twitter um, all these other para, uh, para-athlete organisations and the WA Paras came up and she told me about it. And so, yeah, on the plane when we were moving back here in January 2020, I contacted um, Gordon Deuce, um, who was the... Um, Inclusion officer or something yeah. or something similar. Gordon's an absolute legend. Yeah, and um, and he got back to me, and they were doing a summer futsal thing just before the pandemic set in, and we showed up to that. And I'd mentioned to Gordon that we'd had a couple of issues with the um, with the futsal that Ollie was with in Melbourne, where the coaches weren't aware of Ollie's disability, but he was getting excluded quite a bit, and as far as um, game time mm. and. That didn't sit well with me because I believe in fairness with 
with the game and I always have, even when I was playing at a, at a reasonably competitive level myself. Um, and every, you know, five and six-year-olds are paying the same amount of money, trying to get the same sort of value on and you know, from playing as much as possible. The more you touch the ball, the more Development you compete. You yeah, yeah. It's for everyone, not for the coach's child who seem to always get all the time, which I thought was a thing Always of the past. Always played striker as well. Yeah, yeah well, you know what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I thought that was a thing of the past because, you know, times change, but turns out they don't in some areas. But that was um, Ollie's lot there. Um, and But when we moved over here, we went and did this, um, I guess it was kind of all abilities futsal thing, mainly with adults. There was... Um, oh, careful, mate. Um, but Gordon said after Ollie had been there, he goes, oh, he's... He's got some really good skills. We'd, you know, I think he'd be by the time he's in his teens, he'll be really looking at the state team. And if he keeps progressing, and as I see him as an eight-year-old, the nationals isn't out of the question. And we we're a bit, you know, taken aback by that, and oh, thought, wow, that's wow. really good news. Um, and then he, there was a um, Manchester United had organised with Talathon to have a all abilities league for eight to twelve year olds. Yeah. And um we'd been given a pamphlet and I was and we live right near Bayswater Soccer Club and they were on the um list of teams, but I was apprehensive about going down that path because of the um Melbourne experience. I wanted him to play, but just didn't want to have to go through I guess we wanted to be pulled as opposed to seeking it out. Yeah. Which isn't always the best way, particularly when you're dealing with um, disability sometimes you have to push but then um, Gordon told Mick Owens who's the um, assistant manager with the Paras who was going to be doing the Dianella team and Dianella's not too far from Bayswater Perfect. emailed me and said come and play with us and that's all we needed and we went down there and um, since then Ollie's been playing regularly with Dianella and we just love it and Mick um, it's hard. you probably can't you don't have enough time to to experience how good Mick is. He's just been amazing. For, and he still is. Yep. He practically runs the league now. He was practically running the league um, as a volunteer yep. when there were other people who perhaps should have been putting more effort into it. And now Mick's being as part of the Football Futures Foundation. Mick runs that and he does an amazing job. And everyone stoked with the work he does there. And Ollie definitely benefits from that. And Ollie, I hear you've got a wicked left foot. Yes. Um... I wouldn't describe it as that, but I'd say I, would, I am pretty good. <laughs> Obviously, um, you, you're wearing your Spurs shirt today. Um, Hugo Lloris was a um, left-footed goalkeeper, and, and he's left, so we understand you've got a new favourite goalkeeper. Yep. Who's that? Vicario. Vicario, of course. <laughs> have, you, have you liked what you've seen from him yep. so far this season? A good replacement? That has told me a lot about his distribution. And is distribution one of the, the big things that you're you're known for as a goalkeeper? Or is it your saves? It's the saves. It's the saves. <laughs> I think that's the most important thing because you look at Onana and his distribution is excellent. But he hasn't been saved in a lot of goals, has he, this season? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you think about this year with the I-League. Did you get any assists as goalkeeper? Yes. Yeah. So your distribution was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. That? Can you uh, can you talk to us about the assist that you got? Do you remember? No. No. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But he, you know, he'd pick the gaps, put it downfield. 
I, I think he probably would have liked to have got more assists, but because of the, the nature of the league, that he's encouraged to try and include everyone. So players who are a bit closer and maybe not as um, able to, to go down and kick a goal, but still getting you know, a lot of time on the ball. So Ollie was very good at faci- facilitating that. So, um, Re- Reading off the notes from, from yourself, um, mentioned there that you grew up in Kalgoorlie, played in the four-team league. Yep. Obviously yesterday, um, Kalgoorlie College came up to Perth and won the uh, the Metro Division. Did they really? They did that and they did the, so they did the quadruple, yeah. obviously the the, four, the three trophies that are up for grabs in Kalgoorlie right. plus the Metro Trophy. And then you've had a bit of time playing for Gwellup Croatia. Gwellup Croatia? Yeah, it was Gwellup, yeah, Gwellup, yeah. So talk, talk to us about, about that and, and your, your passion for football and, and how you've tried to install it into Oli despite the fact that he has to support Tottenham. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I could probably give you, there'd be plenty of tales about Kalgoorlie um, soccer association. Um, I played for Cow College for five or six years, and um, Josh Shay it says it's the Drinkers Club. Well, it's a <laughs> well. Funnily enough, the year we the first year College won the the league, uh, I was playing for them as an eighteen year old, and the coach came in and said, "No more drinking on a Friday or Saturday night, but Sunday night after the game, you can drink as much as you want." Bosses on a Monday weren't as happy, but um, it was. It was successful in doing it that way. Um, a four-league team is really interesting and, and a huge change when you move to somewhere like Perth because you learn how everyone plays. You play someone the same team every three weeks, so you kind of know someone's strengths. Or mm. And if you didn't like them three weeks ago, you still don't like them. Whereas in Perth, you might have you know 10 or so weeks before you play them again. You forget until halfway through the game, so you're perhaps not as – I mean, there was – but that means that if you're awful, you get picked on. Sorry? That means if you're awful or you've got any bad well, that's you, yeah, you yeah. get absolutely yeah, picked Well, yes, absolutely. And, that, and that, I mean, in a league like that, at least back then, um, I mean, I imagine it's got a lot stronger there. Um, growing up, I was the only one in my age group by the time I was 14, maybe me and one other who were playing it after, you know, as a – as a under 11, I think there was probably still six or seven teams in under 11s playing an 11-a-side 11 thing. Um, and then by the time I was 14, there wasn't even a um, division. No, by the time I was 13, I was playing under 15s because mm. there was no under 13s or 14s because just lack of players and the whole foot. It's a foot, you know, AFL time. <laughs> sorry, an AFL town. Um, everyone kind of lives for that. And if you played soccer back then, you were, they let you know about it. You yep. were called all sorts of names yep. that um, hopefully aren't used anymore. And I didn't care because I had two older brothers who played. So, it, you know, I just um, kept water playing a, and loved it. off a duck's back. Yeah, and so for me, you know, I just loved the game and would always love it. Um, my brother's a Liverpool supporter. Another one's a Leeds supporter. I, some for some reason, chose Spurs. but Like pain. Yep, like pain. <laughs> and then moved up to, um, moved up to Perth in the um, – I don't know, 18 years ago or something, and first played for Inter Kelsio, um, but they've since folded, and then my brother was playing for Gwellup and I came along, and that was a really good experience. Um, I, awesome. And when we, by the time I'd moved to Melbourne, they were looking at getting into the State League, which was really good because it was a strong club. Ure's been running the ship there, I think, for a long time, and he's steered it in a very good direction. As And yeah, I played with him. You know, He was still playing in the first when, when I'd got there, and... Um, I still remember giving him an assist against Quinana, and it was a nice pass, a nice finish. We, I've, we've got to have a conversation off the air about Yuri, and you've got to tell me the kind of <laughs> yeah. the kind of player he was. Yeah, but um, I I do want to I do want to talk about 
um, what what does it mean for you as a as a parent to have this opportunity for Ollie to to be able to fall in love with football and to be able to participate and to be able to you know not not feel like he is limited by that? Well, I mean, I'm biased, but I'd say that and uh, you know I see um, these lads every couple of weeks and by the end of the year every week, um, and. Someone who has cerebral palsy, particularly hemiplegia like Ollie, which is means that one side, uh, your left or your right, is more impacted, as opposed to something like diaplegia, which is both legs, um, or quad, which affects all your limbs. Um, for someone with hemi, it's I can't imagine a better sport, a better mainstream sport that allows you to run around and still use your body mm. and not be impacted, because usually the upper limb is impacted a bit more, um, and being able to use your feet to run around, um, play a team sport that's loved the world round, knowing the that there's a World Cup for this, you know, even our the the biggest sports, well, the, the biggest sport is actually football in Australia, but the biggest um, publicized, uh, public, funded, the most publicized yeah. funder. Yet we all know the deal with that. Um, they've got. You, you can't play it anywhere else. You play it here. You can kick it round in another country with some other Australians, but you pretty much play this sport um, around the world. Um, and it means that if, you know, Ollie is a 21-year-old, wants to go travelling, he can go and play in a team in any other country. In Nicaragua. He could go to, he exactly. could go to Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And he, that's, can, that's and he awesome. can play it and enjoy it. And, um, and, and just a little story about I said how we'd, um, he'd been in Melbourne and we moved here just before the pandemic. And for an, how old were you? Eight, nine, eight. Yeah, eight, eight turning nine. A big move, you know. Um, you've managed to establish your friends and then you move to um, a new school and your disability is becoming more apparent to people and to yourself, you know. I think Ollie was really exploring his own disability at the time. And to have, again, I'll come back to Mick having that that league where you've got this guy who's um, really encouraging and then you've got some other kids with cerebral palsy in your team who are a bit older and you learn that there are other people around with cerebral palsy that um, that you might not have you might not have had an awareness or you might not you have You no seen. longer think that you're alone, right? Exactly. And, and we would do – there's a thing on Bluey um, which is the kids' show that everyone loves and there's an episode called Favourite Thing. And um, – after that episode had been on, and we'd do that every night, and Oliver's every night would be um, soccer training or playing, you know, playing the game. Um, mine was car mats because we got car mats for the first time and that meant we could clean the car. <laughs> but his was, you know, coming in and playing, and that, that meant a lot, I think, to, to him, didn't it? Yeah, really helped me. Yeah. So, so having come and made the move from Melbourne and... We understand that the, the National Power Games haven't been in WA for quite some time. So what does it mean and, and how exciting is it for both yourself and Ollie that there are these games here in WA this year? And the fact that you've been volunteering at, 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 um, with the Paras here as yeah. well. Oh, what do you think? I think it's great that they let me in. But what about the National Championships being in Perth? Uh, I would feel... Amazed when I would see them. Yeah, yeah. You're looking forward to it. Yeah. You can see what where he has to be, the type of players he'd be playing against in a couple of years' time when he's 
if you can push into the team. Um, I, I'm I'm really, really, really looking forward to it. Um, we've been hanging around um, the team for the last four years. Last year, I think um, they were really hoping to get to the final and try and beat New South Wales after coming second, I think, 2019. Um, but I... And it puzzled me when they didn't make the final and then I found out that, you know, one of the better players had, had fallen injured and that and in a seven-a-side team, losing one of your better players can have a huge impact. You hope you've got the, the bench strength to overcome that, but unfortunately they couldn't. And I'm, I'm really hoping this year that, um, that they can go, you know, all the way. I, I think they've got this, a strong enough team. I play against them when I'm not injured and... Um, <laughs> And have experienced, you know, how how good these guys are, and how hard they train, and how passionate they are. And um, I think it's really exciting. And I think it's great if um, if if many kids like Ollie can get down and see um, all these people try their best. Um, and 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 I don't know. Just like we watched some of the World Cup games last year. I think it's, was it last year or early last year? And and that was great watching on TV, but being able to sit there and... Be in the stadium. Uh, yeah, yeah. W- watch, watch these guys who play for Australia. Um, watch these girls who play for Australia. I know you're talking to Caitlin um, later on, and she, you know, you're talking to the best keeper in the world. And and, and she scored amazing. goals as well. And, and, yeah, and, <laughs> and, and just... Well, and ask her about 10-pin bowling, or, and she, like she's just... She's great. She goes out there and, and gets things done, and 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 there's all these people who are just giving their all, and yeah, we're we're really excited. We're going to try and watch all of the WA games if we can. I've got a five year old who might throw a spanner in the works with that, but she might be excited to watch as well. And I think Ollie will be really, really happy to watch it. Yeah, I'd be really happy. Who's going to be the best keeper there? No, I don't know. Come on. Who do you think? Who trains with you? Chris Barty. Yeah, but he's not, he's retired now. Who's who's the other keeper? Sam. Sam's pretty good, isn't he? He's yeah. He how, stopped a few shots of mine. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask how big have those role models been for Ollie? Um, obviously, growing up at, at su- being at such a young age. What do you think? Is it, it it must it must be really good for you, particularly since almost since he started with the Paras is when he's been exploring his own disability. Um, it's, it's really, what, what do you think about being able to see? I feel, I feel very great that I'm working with one of the best goalkeepers, goalkeepers that I think that is best in the world. Yeah, you think Chris Barty is best? What about all the other players like Connor and, and Sandro and Ian and um, Raf and... How does it feel to see other guys with brain injury or cerebral palsy? That it's great to see other people kind of like me with different disabilities. Yeah, I, I want to finish off. Um, I also read that you are you're a bit of a tactician, and that you like to play football manager. So, like, what's your what type? What would an Ollie team play like? What does Ollie ball look like? Are you like defensive and counter attack or are you like you go and you score and you win 5-4 or do you just win 1-0? Because I like to win by 1-0 and I don't like to have a lot of goals. I, 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 I'm I, a Rafa Benitez. Uh, <laughs> I grew up watching Rafa Benitez so I like very boring football where nothing to... happens. So how do you, what was your team? What would your team look like, Ollie? I want to be like Inge but dad says I can't, it can't be like that. I've been looking up on my kind of like computer surface 
and it said a four, two, three, one. Mm-hmm. And I think I may be changing that tonight. You're going to go into a four, two, three, one. Are you going to have expansive wingers, or are they going to come inside? Yeah, an inverted wing, wing back. I oh, love it. And um, we were told as well you're a big Nintendo Switch fan as well, are we? Yep. What are you playing on there at the moment? Ooh, there's a. Dad's playing some sort of Legend of Zelda game. Are you just stitched just, just Dad <laughs> and, up there. <laughs> and I'm playing FC24, which I love. Yeah. Do you uh, do you ever use my favorite team, Liverpool, or you just you just use all the good teams? I use most of the good teams. Yeah. Do you use Perth Glory? No, I use Western United. Oh. Are you a Western United fan? Yeah. yeah awesome. I'm a Perth Glory fan until Western United came along. Three yeah, you decided to go for them when we were leaving Melbourne so that you couldn't see the games. Who's your Who's your favourite player to play with on the Switch or play as? Well, I'm a... I, who's your, who, who? Some, some people I'd li- I like. Madison to score or son. Madison's been playing some great football and look fantastic. That's that's all the time we have. Um, but Ollie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on, mate. I hope you you get to listen to this and just realize how awesome it is. Um, and yeah, <laughs> Pete, thank you so much for your time as well, mate. Really, no worries. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. And before we dive back into part two, we just want to send a quick thank you out to Balance and Revive Massage Therapy, our latest sponsors here at the Perth Football Podcast. And if you want to get 10% off remedial and sports massages, just go and say hi uh, from the Perth Football Podcast. Use the code PFP23. Uh, that's PFP23. And you get 10% off all remedial and sports massages at Balance and Revive. You can find them in Carambine at 1 Hobson's Gate. Welcome back to the Perth Football Podcast, part two. Tommy Dolman is still to the left of me, but we've got two new guests joining us uh, in this para championship special. We've got, I have forgotten your names, gentlemen, and now I've got to start (laughs) all over again. That just shows you how professional this ship is. I do have this. this. (laughs) All right, we're back with part two. I uh, screwed up the introduction for the first and the first take, but we're going to get the second take correct. Um, We're still talking para championships. I've got... Tommy Dolman to the left of me, Sam O'Connorkey directly to the left, but a little bit towards an angle, and I've got Baxter Hutchinson right in front of me. Gentlemen, we're absolutely delighted to have you here. Thank you so much for your time and for, for really giving us the time to, to speak to you about this. Um, the Para Championships are happening in WA. How awesome does that feel? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's exciting being with the program since 2016, so for the first time, to be able to have both my parents there watching, you know, all my family and friends, it's surreal, really. Still haven't been able to process it all. Yeah, it's it's certainly pretty special. I mean, Sam was here probably three years before I was, so I came in about 2019 was when I started. And to have it here in, it, while I'm still playing for the Paras is, is pretty, um, yeah, incredible. And, you know, a lot of these guys have played in a lot of Nationals tournaments, um, a lot more than me. And, um those those tournaments were all over East, right? So, um, yeah, it's incredible to have the opportunity to play in front of our families and, and at home here. And um, 
I've I've heard from a good source. Um, I won't I won't tell you who the source is. It's Jay, um, and he said that WA have been really unlucky the last few the last few championships, and he reckons that that home field advantage, that home cooking, is going to be hopefully the difference to get get the team into the final as well. Yeah, I think um, um, I think we've been certainly last tournament we've been you know second favourites um, just behind New South Wales to win it, but not far off and. You know, unfortunately, you know, last year we had a few key players who, one of them broke their ACL, who you're probably going to speak to soon as well, you know, um, not their ACL, what was it? Oh, cool. Medial collateral ligament or something. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but so yeah, we've been a little bit unlucky in terms of um, playing and injuries and stuff, especially last year as well. Tell us about yourselves as players. What position do you play in? Oh, uh, yeah, well... I'm now a goalkeeper, being pretty much every position for WA, but officially successor of Chris Barty. Big yeah, shoes, big shoes to fill. Not just because he's got giant feet, but also just because of the personality he is, right? Oh yeah, I think I've got him on that foot one though. But <laughs> no, nah, definitely in terms of personality, how he conducts himself on the pitch as well as off, trying to resemble that, trying to live up to that, and the way he performs as well. Probably the best keeper we've ever seen in terms of Paralympic football in Australia. So lot of expectation but reckon yeah looking forward to it and role model to young ollie as well who we just had in the studio before oh i wouldn't i wouldn't say that <laughs> still think yeah chris is the role model for every goalkeeper in the country wouldn't give myself any title near that yet but hopefully one day i'll be able to be the guy he looks up to and hopefully takes over from me and yourself baxter what what position do you play yeah, so um, I was fortunate enough to um, play a reasonably high level before I, I joined these guys and, and, and got involved in the para program. And um, during that time, I was mainly a midfielder. Um, and now I, I still play the exact same position, essentially, for the um, state team here with the, the paras. But I do get moved around a lot because, um, unfortunately, given my heart condition, I'm, I'm pretty low on the whole classification scale so I can't move around as, as much as I, what I once used to put it that way um, so I get utilized up front and then um, the coach moves me around a lot more now that's for sure every good team needs a versatile player <laughs> yeah and 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 sometimes you need that that player with experience who knows not necessarily um, that he needs to be everywhere but just knows exactly where to be and when to be there you can let the other schmucks do all the running <laughs> yeah, and you exactly. can just take your time and play the passes and, and kind of be under Andrea Pirlo so to speak yeah pretty much I shout at them and they, they do what I want most of the time <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 sounds a bit like me mate. but guys I think I think one of the um, one of the big things that kind of really stood out to me that I, I really want people to get get across and and again um, you, you can answer this how, however you want, both of you. But it, the thing that really came across to me is just how much of a adversity that you guys kind of overcome in playing this game, right? And and for a certain aspect, and for a certain um, um, aspect, it has been alter, life altering events or life altering things that have happened, and you've had to go, okay, cool, I need to start again, accept who I am, make some changes, and then kind of push on from there. And um, and Sam, reading your story where where we, we did the profile, well, you did the profile with the Football Fo Football Futures Foundation, and you, you're talking about how you had to kind of accept who you are and kind of push on from that. Mate, can you give us a few words on, on what that process has been like, but also the joy that you've kind of feel now as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. That process 
still ongoing, to be honest, but it was very tough. I mean, back when I was 10, I had to learn how to walk again, talk again, and do all that. And obviously, being 10-year-old in year four, I think I was back then just moving state as well, not having a lot of friends, going back to school in a walk walking frame in a wheelchair. Everyone thought I was just the weird kid, very isolated. So being having to discover who I am as such and just sort of learning to come together with myself and who I am, being able to be strong in that, but it's a battle every day still. I mean, sometimes I don't want to get out of bed, sometimes don't want to go out to big events or anything just because even though I try to live without my disability, I know I still have it. People can still see it. But yeah, I mean, trying my best. And how and how good has football been for you in terms of pushing that purpose um, 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 for you as, as you've developed and grown and, and been part of this change in your life? Honestly, without football, I don't know where I'd be. I mean, it's given me something to live for, especially in terms of the off-season. And as well, I tore my ACL just over two years ago. And in that time, I really went to a bad headspace there. Mm. Wasn't wanting to get out of bed. Wasn't exercising, eating terribly. So yeah, I guess for me, it just sort of stupid. It sounds gives me something to live for. Gives me something to look forward to in life, and it's really my purpose. I'd say. How did you come to getting involved in the program? You were telling us outside the studio before that you were actually playing cricket before you moved over to football. Yeah, so my dream was to actually be a professional cricketer. And I think probably six months before I joined the program, I almost moved down to Bunbury to join a cricket school down there full time. So I was lucky not to do that. I think I made the right choice. <laughs> but yeah, I actually had my dad just message me one day asking me, hey, are you able to go to the Paralympics? And I laughed at him at first, but I thought about it a bit more and I sort of was like, why not as such? Went online, saw I was eligible to play seven-a-side football. Ended up messaging the coach at the time, which was Goran Stajic, and he invited me down to training that week and haven't looked back ever since. Great guy, Goran. Yeah, we love Goran. And um, and back to this, does any of that story kind of resonate with with yourself? Um, yeah, we're definitely um, very unique, I think, in the squad in the sense that we're both ABIs. Um, I think we're the only ABIs, two ABIs in the team. Yeah, right? I believe so. What's, a, yeah. what's, a, what's an ABI for, so, uh, for not only those listening, but also for myself? As well. Yeah, so essentially a quite, a quite brain injury. So some kind of, you know, brain accident that's caused, you know, permanent disabilities within your um, body of some sort. But um, yeah, my story is a, a bit of a long one, but um, yeah, essentially... Um, I was fortunate enough to play football when I was younger and played it, you know, all the way from five years of age and absolutely loved it. It was been pacing my whole life. And I was offered the contract to go over to Germany and play in, in one of the academies. And unfortunately, at 17 years of age, I was diagnosed with brain cancer. So two medulloblastoma brain tumors. And, and in that, um, you know, I had a 12-hour brain surgery where I died three times and and I came out, you know, paralyzed from the head down, essentially. And, and similar to Sam told that, you know, I'm never going to walk again and I'm probably not going to live outside of the next two years. Um, and then, yeah, um, the paras reached out, I think, when I was going through radiotherapy treatment. And I was like, oh, my God, this sounds awesome. Want to be involved. And, um, yeah, basically, I think a couple of weeks later, once I, you know, got through the radiotherapy, I still had chemo, but I'd come here and there. Um, when I was feeling well enough too. 
and worked really hard at my rehab and through the program essentially I learned how to walk, talk, see, do everything again and also lucky enough to play football. Mate, not only lucky enough to play football, but lucky enough to be like terrific at football. And what, what what's what's the kind of goal look like for for the both of you in terms of your careers, in terms of hopefully winning it for WA in WA? But but what's the that kind of bigger goal look like? Yeah, um, I think I think for me, one thing um, my kind of journey has taught me is is to live life to the fullest in in every moment and. For me, um, you know, football was a massive part of my life and both my parents were professional athletes, so I was very pushed to, you know, become that. Um, But I think what brain cancer um, taught me was that, you know, the most important thing is life and happiness and having fun and and enjoying it. Um, So for me, in terms of a goal, I don't specifically have one anymore, I guess, in a way. I just really enjoy playing football and being with the boys and it really is the highlight of my week um every saturday i go down there just a big slap in the face and just to give you some perspective in life man that is awesome that is just awesome and sam just one for you as well can you sort of tell us about that sort of community aspect that the football has has sort of given to you because we, we speak to a lot of people um on, on our podcast from different walks of life who have different History, past, um, uh, different family circumstances, all sorts of different walks of life. So I suppose what does um, that community aspect to football mean to you? Oh, I think it means a lot, really. I mean, this team, no, every team probably says it, but this team's really like a family. Like, you've got, I've been a part of so many mainstream clubs at the moment, Wanneroo, but I've been a part of teams where every Tuesday, every Thursday, all the boys are together every Sunday. We're all having laughs. But once that's done, you don't really speak to each other much. But these guys, they're probably some of my best mates. I speak to most of them every day. actually live with one of the teammates now. So definitely it's a massive part of it, the whole community aspect. And I think yeah, it's just good for the team in terms of we're able to keep in contact with each other. We all know what we're going through builds the team chemistry, builds the team morale, and, yeah, it just makes everyone feel better, I guess. And how is it, how exciting is it going to be to be able to represent WA in your home state this weekend? Um, I don't know if you've been out to the new state football centre yet, but um, tell us a little bit about the excitement in terms of getting out there, um, well, this week now. It's funny you say that. I actually, we had a team meeting and I actually turned up to the wrong place. Um, And that was the State Football Centre. So that was the first time I'd been there. Um, And I had to leave in about five minutes. Um, But no, from from what I've seen and my five minutes spent there, um, it looked really, really awesome. And um, it's going to be an incredible nationals and perfect opportunity for us to, yeah, showcase what we can do in front of lots of people. And yeah, it just seemed like a really great venue. What do uh, what does WA have to do to win it? Like, what do we have to do? Like, do we do you need all of our listeners to get down on Friday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday? Sorry, not not Tuesday. It doesn't start on Tuesday. It starts on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, like, like what what do you think it will take? Again, I don't want to put any pressure on you. I understand that you want to enjoy it and, and be part of it. But at the same time, we know that you guys are competitive and you're not you're not doing this purely for fun. And I don't want to say that we hate New South Wales, but <laughs> <laughs> but can allude to it. Um, no, nah, I'll definitely say yeah. Pack out, pack out the place. Um, every single nationals has been over east, so 
lot of people, barely anyone from WA, I mean, some of our family has been lucky enough to go over and watch us play as a team, watch their kids play. Yeah, I'd say pack the place out. I mean, New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, they haven't had to deal with that aspect of playing away, not having their family, not having their friends there. So it's definitely looking forward to see how they they are able to handle it. But I definitely think if we pack the place out, yeah, I reckon it oh, should be more noise much and step for us. better, right? Oh, some of the boys as well, you know, some of their mates coming from Midland and stuff. Definitely would be would be a bit scared. <laughs> hey, how involved are you guys outside of uh, well, outside of playing? In terms of, do you watch football a lot? Do you maybe play gay like if, FIFA? If, or, if, well, EA, is it EAFC now? EAFC or now. Well, well, let's call it FIFA. If any of you support Man United? Can you just leave the booth? <laughs> oh. Well, I don't actually support Man United because my dad's part German. So technically, I support Bayern, but my team in the Premier League is Man United. So okay, how good do Bayern look right now with Kane? I won't say amazing. I mean, he's doing well, um, but our last our performances haven't been great yet. Like it's not quite clicking yet. He's he's the sort of signing though that you oh, need yeah. to, to to have a chance of getting oh, yeah. deep in the Champions League. Oh, I reckon we're we're going to be proper good when we start clicking. But like, um, you know, we drew to. Who was it on the weekend? Leverkusen on the weekend. And Leverkusen we just, are good though. True. And we just drew to Leipzig as well, which Probably are also, yeah. again, both good teams. But at the same time, we're Bayern Munich. Oh, see, this is the thing that I hate about like super teams like Bayern Munich, where it's like we need to win every single game and we need to win amazingly. And honestly, to win the league, you don't have yeah. to beat Dortmund. Well, we you don't, don't have, have to beat to, Leverkusen. No. You don't have to beat um, Leipzig. You have to smash everybody else. And... Kane will probably score like... Oh, he'll like, score 35, I reckon, plus. only if, if the team starts clicking, plus that, I reckon. Only Bayern can beat themselves. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> essentially. it's it, We're our own worst enemies. And at the moment, everything's ticking along okay. Um, the team doesn't look great yet, but I think once it starts clicking, we're just going to fire ahead and Kane will get that 35-plus, hopefully. So, so there's a soft spot for Germany as well, the national team? Yeah, a little bit, although they suck at the moment. <laughs> they, are, they are garbage, right? <laughs> they now, are really they? struggling. Um, so that, that's all right. It uh, comes and goes, right? Um, but yeah, no, a little bit of a soft spot for Germany, but still Australia for, through and through. And uh, and you? Uh, some people might give me a bit of stick, but I'm actually a City fan, so... I've got time for City. Oh, well, that's good, the first person least. that said that in a while. So who's who's your like who's your favorite player like in in City? Honestly, I'm talking between two. I mean, I love Phil Foden, obviously best academy product we've had. But I share the same birthday as um De Bruyne, so yeah, very big soft spot for him there. Oh. I, I don't know if you remember this guy, but when I was growing up, I used to love Sean Wright Phillips because I used yeah. to like I was. Again, I'm still like relatively short, but he was he was tiny. He played on the right wing, and he just like was so brave and so direct. And I loved watching him play. So I've always had a soft spot for Man City because he literally like was my favorite player. Because I would look at him and be like, I, "That's me!" Like I could I could try to be that. I was never as good, but I I thought that I could be me. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, there's some very talented short players out there, that's for sure. <laughs> Don't lose faith. <laughs> Probably the best in the world is one of those guys. Yeah, exactly. As a goalkeeper yourself, Sam, do you look at some of these passes that Edison is somehow able to make and when you see him getting bored within games because he's not having to do anything in goal, do you sort of watch him come off his line and think, geez, what's he, what's he doing there? Oh, I mean, 
kind of get where he's coming from. I mean, it's the modern day keeper. I fancy myself as a bit of a sweeper keeper as well. So I okay. sort of love watching a bit of Edison. I mean, my brother's a goalkeeper as well, and he really got me hooked as well. Manuel Neuer back in, would say the day. I mean, he's still playing, but you know, like five, six years ago, watching Manuel Neuer, watching Edison, even watching guys like Allison to Stegen. So I fancy myself a bit of a sweeper keeper. So definitely doesn't scare me. I mean, I get what he's doing and. I get bored a bit as well sometimes, you know, especially with some of the blokes in front of me, you know, how good they are. But no, I definitely love Edison. He's, yeah, great goalkeeper. No, he's coming respect. back this week. Oh, now you're going to be even more beautiful. But, but, be, but before we go, guys, um, can you tell us the best goal you've ever scored? You want to go first? Um, go for yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, best goal I've ever scored, probably... I bet, I bet he's going to say it's like from 50 yards and it was really like a tap-in. No, there, so there's two out there. Um, I probably need, my most I just need one. favourite one's probably yeah. scored against New South Wales. Um, attempted back heel once off of a free kick, completely missed the ball, um, deflected off the keeper right into my path and I've tapped it in. Um, it was gone, gone to celebrate. Um, went to run celebrate in the corner and I've seen our striker Chris Minotulo behind me who if you don't know he's built like the hulk and he is quick and i saw him running at me and all that was in my head was can't let him jump on me so <laughs> there's just a video of me i'm just running around the whole pitch just keep it away from him pretty much yeah not trying to get injured and but yeah that's probably my best goal I ever scored and never gonna live that down that celebration asked asked yeah. if you if you see david cantoni ask him about the time that i scored and celebrated and he try to run away from me it'll be <laughs> blow your mind it'll blow your mind that it was actually possible Wait, you were chasing him down i was when you scored yes <laughs> yes because he was i think he was a defender and i scored and i was like dave if i score i'm going to take my pants off put it on my head and give you a hug <laughs> and i scored no wonder he ran then <laughs> no wonder he's ran. Talk, tell us about your uh your, your your best goal oh gosh mine would have to be probably before i played um paris i think were, i remember it pretty well actually um Actually got it on video, I think, which oh. is always nice. Mate, if you've got it on it's video, convenient. send us the link and yeah. we will we will share it on our on our social media page. I swear to you we will share uh, it on social media. No, we we're playing um we we're playing against UWA in the MPL and um what was it? I, I used to be I, I guess I would call myself a bit of a free kick specialist. I was always one on the free kicks type thing and um it was a. I, I don't accredit it to my the power of my kick by any means. There was a lot of wind that day behind me, and a bit of swears. Yeah, yeah, and and I was about oh gosh, I'm going to say ten meters in front of the halfway line, and and because I just had so much wind behind me, I was like, I'm just going to try and get this on target, and I reckon the wind's just going to blow it all over the place, and then yeah, I popped it from there and it, it flew straight into the top corner off the post and straight in. And that was probably the best goal I've ever scored in my life and probably haven't got anything other close to that, um, to be fair. How's it feel when you're looking up and you see the goalkeeper and you just know from a long way out that he's got absolutely no chance of getting across and saving it? Yeah, like I didn't even have to hit it that hard. So as soon as I hit it and I saw where it was in the air, I was like, oh, the wind's just going to take this. And <laughs> that is a guaranteed goal. And yeah, sure enough, it was. It was great. Sam, Baxter, honestly, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. I love the fact that you guys talked about your football, talked about your story. Um, 
purpose and community are the big reasons why I do this podcast and the big reasons why I played football. I grew up in a really crappy part of New Zealand and if it wasn't for purpose and community, I will tell you right now, I would not be here as well. So know that you're not alone in that aspect, but I'm delighted that you guys are representing the state and um, hopefully representing the country one day as well. Oh, no, cheers for having us. I mean, yeah, thank you. Yeah, appreciate being on. Thank you so much. We'll be back with part three. Perth of a podcast. We're back with part three, and we are in the presence of greatness, Tommy Dolman. How often are you sat across from two people who have represented their country in football? Not often. Not certainly not this season, Kalichi. Yeah, certainly not this season at all. We are joining us in the studio for part three. Um, is Caitlin Smith, a Pararoo, current para, sorry, uh, Matilda, current co-captain of the Paramatildas, and most recently voted best goalkeeper in the world. And we've also got Alessandro Lafagetta, a barnstorming fullback with a terrible, sorry, a barnstorming fullback with a terrific shot. And is known for carrying and having terrible haircuts. That's what uh, that's what Dave Cantoni sent me in the brief. Oh, okay. What what do you got to say to that charge? Oh, I think it's the most stylish out of all of them. Um, definitely have a few haircuts throughout the years, but yeah, um, some questionable some people uh, in the team. They just not don't... naming names, Connor. Um, I ain't bold yet, so um, yeah. They just don't have style, do they? No, well. I'm Italian and, you know, us wogs have to, um, you know. Represent. Exactly. Represent and, you know, look good on, on and off the field as best as we can. So, Mate, family's watching. You've got to make sure you're, you're there for them, right? Yeah, you've got to look, at, um, look good on camera because um, the dodgy streams that we get over <laughs> um, over the international tours, um, you know, you've got to stand out somehow. And one, one of them's been having a good haircut. So, yeah. Take that, Dave. Um, but look. We're here, obviously, we've got the Power Championships happening in WA for the first time. Um, we'll start with yourself, Caitlin. How, how good is it that this is actually happening in WA where it's just local and um, and everyone that you know has the opportunity to come out and watch you play? It's good. Um, we've never had one, so it's good just being over here. Um, I feel like the other states can kind of now whinge that they have to travel. Yep. Because they always whinge about us whinging about traveling. So they can kind of know what it feels like. And Sandra, you, you, you were speaking to us um, prior to that, talking about how awesome this is um, for everybody else and how fortunate you have been previously um, in, in terms of travel. So can you just give us a little bit more thoughts on, on, on that and, and let the listeners know like what, what the plight usually is for individuals trying to play this game on, in the Eastern States or internationally? Um, yeah, so I'm fortunate enough to have my parents travel um, with me wherever I go, um, if that's internationally or um, at a state level. And having the nationals over in here in, um, in Perth, um, it gives an opportunity for those who um, can't make the venture, uh, in terms of parents-wise, can't make the venture over uh, due to work, family. Um, Cost sometimes. Costs, yeah. Um, it gives a, it, well, you know, we've got a tournament and now they can come and watch their sons, daughters, um, you know, nieces, nephews, cousins come play. So it's it's very good. And, you know, my nonna is 92 and she's always tried her best to watch on the television. But seeing us in person compared to on TV is two different things. 
Yeah, that sounds that sounds awesome, and we'll um, we'll go we'll go straight into it and, and talk to us because you both have represented your country. What's that feel like? It's something different. Like you, it doesn't. I don't think it ever really sinks in. It's you go and do these tournaments. You do what it, I think it doesn't really sink in because you're doing what you love to do. You're there. You're doing a job. You're getting it done. Less the glory and that comes after, but it's not what we're there for. We're there for just to represent our country with pride and hope to do everyone else proud and get the CP football known in Australia is I think is our biggest and what we do it for, especially as the girls because we're not as developed as the boys. So I think we're just doing it for the awareness really to kind of push it forward. So... Yeah, I love that you're doing it for the awareness, but at the same time, you go and win the best goalkeeper in the tournament award. What what was that like? I went into Spain just going with the flow, having a good time. Um, yeah, I didn't expect half the stuff that I got in Spain. It was it was a good time. Um, I didn't even know they had the awards until after the grand final. I sat down because my legs just had enough, so I was deciding to have a seat, and then. They were just calling out these awards and then the coach goes, you need to get up. And I was like, I'm not getting up. My feet are sore. And she goes, no, no, <laughs> you need to get up. So I had to get up and I got it. And it was, I was very thankful for it. Um, I'd worked hard the eight weeks leading up to it and just being there and being around everyone was just good. And Sandra, you've, you've had some, some caps for um, Australia. What, what's it been like having these caps and have you got any big highlights from there? Um. Yeah, it's been very interesting in terms of um, my caps. I think I've won 12 or 13, and I'm very fortunate enough to be part of the Pararoos for the last seven years now. Um, you know, it's been up and down road. Um, when I got first introduced into the program, um, I didn't know what was going on. And two months prior to it, I didn't even know if cerebral palsy uh, football existed. And um, I came into the team where um, they've just fundraised a lot of money to get us over to the World Champs to go over in Denmark and play. And, um, you know, at first I was like, well, this is cool. Um, you know, we taught them was over, you know, done and dusted. And then I got too confident in terms of, you know, I don't have to do this anymore. And then um, I think I believe everything happens for a reason. Next year, the, the coaches saw that I was not good enough and then they cut me from the team. And I didn't know what to do then. But the words of advice I got from players and staff was train your absolute ass off to get back to, you know, where you want to be. So my journey um, with CB Football and in the Paru has been up and down because, um, you know, I've won player of the tournament at Nationals before, a young player of the tournament. Um, so that reinstated my uh, selection back into the mm. Paroos and um, when I, you know, I came back in, I kept getting injured. I think I've had um, four or five injuries over my seven years of Paroos um, and I've set out World Cups, I've set out, um, we had our first game in 2019 back on home soil f since the Paralympics. And I sat out because I tore my meniscus at nationals prior to it. 
Jeez. So, um, you know, it's been a roller coaster in terms of um, the emotions, but it's very exciting because, you know, as Caitlin said, this is what we do. This is what we love. So, you know, we ke- we have to keep doing it. And like anybody who gets to the absolute top in their field and representing their country, it takes a massive amount of dedication to be able to get to that point. So can you sort of tell us about that dedication, that hard work that you guys have both had to put in to get yourselves into the position that you are now representing your country? Well, I've probably had the roughest road where we got developed. We had So I'm originally from New South Wales and we had – we did have a girls comp over there, but then I decided to move over here in 2021 and me moving from New South Wales to Perth, I thought like I was out of it, like I couldn't be involved anymore in the sense of the Paramatildas. And then we got an email still inviting, I was, must have been still on the list and inviting us to um, camp and then it's just all gone from there. But we train, what, four or five times a week? You do train more I think I so I trained four or five times a week at two halves and at one point before world cup last year I was working full-time so 40 odd hours a week and then having to train four or five times a week it was hard like I've had to step back from work because you just I as a CP athlete just couldn't physically keep up and um I'm lucky enough that my housemate just travels the world with me so it's been good in that aspect but it's giving up a lot to to do something you love but at the end of the day I love doing it so makes me happy being away with all them makes me happy representing Australia so giving up little things is all worth it in the big picture and and, and you talk about your housemate who helps you get get around to places and you talk about your family how they travel with you as well tell us about those support mechanisms that you have and how important that that family and that support is for you guys to be able to do what you do um i think you know for for me family is probably the biggest thing um without my mother and father um i probably wouldn't be in the position i am today um you know with all them injuries and you know dad can you take me to training dad can you take me here dad can you take me there um you know it comes with its cost because you know, he likes to do what he does after work. And um, seeing, obviously, I think seeing me happy made him happy in a certain sense. Um, you know, now it's getting a lot easier with me being able to drive myself to training. You know, I can do whatever I want when I want with training at any time of the night or day. Um, but, you know, without my family, and that, that can extend to my, you know, cousins who play football or, you know, my aunties and uncles come watch me. Like, you know, without them, I don't think I would be probably playing football at all. But I do it for obviously my love of the game, but I want to make them proud. And obviously having a disability and, um, you know, I think Caitlin can relate here, having a disability, you know, we're not seen in a society where we can achieve that much. So, you know, when we put on the green and gold or, you know, even to extent WA colours, um, you know, it makes our fa- I think it makes our family proud and that, um, you know, correlates to making me feel proud about myself and accepting that I have disability and making a, a good thing even 
better, but essentially. I like that the thing that really, really stands out, and I hope our listeners understand this, is that there is like to become successful in anything that you need to overcome adversity. Whereas when we think about your stories, there's even more adversity and there's even more from different aspects. I mean, I was reading your story earlier and there was, there was mentioning of, of bullying that, that, that took place there. And, and I just like just the mental toughness that you guys absolutely have to have. Um, and, and Sam was talking about, look, you know, he was going through dark times and not too sure what his purpose in life was going to be and, and what was going to happen. And again, he had a quote unquote, previously quote unquote, normal life before. And then, you know, things had to change and had to grow and change and move on from that. But guys, just, just a huge kudos to yourselves. And, and, and I, I think, I think for me, like football has given me a lot of purpose from where I grew up and my story, but just the amount of purpose that it must give you guys, it, it must be just like, it must be awesome, especially when you get to go, this has given me a purpose. And now that purpose is being on the world stage and that purpose is the green and gold. Um, that's just got to be an amazing feeling. Well, it's, it's, at the end of the day, I think it's a little bit more than that in terms of, I never had a role model growing up, someone with cerebral palsy or acquired brain injury. So, you know, my first role models of people with them disabilities were my current teammates. And, you know, now playing or being captain of WA and, you know, being a regular in the Pararoos, I'd like to see, um, you know, I want to be a role model for young kids that have cerebral palsy and or any disability, to be honest, because as much as we can develop our sport, we can develop other sports in the disability scene. mm and I want to be a leading factor in that in WA because um, the men's now are developed in terms of able body. The women's now at an all-time high with able body. I think it's time now where the disability scene comes in and all the inclusions with football and other sports because you know we aren't seen as athletes or as any as anything basically because we're doing this all for free off our own backs and. You know, it is hard. So and I think the biggest comment we get is, oh, you've got the easy ride, you've got the disability, it's easier to get into stuff. It's actually a lot harder. You've got you've got the Matildas and the Socceroos, you're the top twenty four, top twenty three of your nation. You could be the best player or one of the best players, but you're not the right class. There's other classes that are better than you. You're not gonna go. That's how hard it is. It's not just as simple as picking your top 24. It's a lot more harder than that. And then when people go, oh, it's just you've got a disability, you get it easy. No, we have to work four times as hard as you guys to get anything. You're saying you train four to six times a week and Sandra, you're saying you train even more. And that is on top of, again, having to overcome a lot more things than just anybody overcomes. Like even even – coming into this building for some people it's diff it's even more difficult because they're stairs yep. and, and, the, and these are like Chris Barty told the story about how um, I think you guys got to Spain or another place and like the pitch was like 200 meters away and you're like oh, by the time we go back for half time drinks like we're we, all gonna, we we're had gonna be two shattered. flights of stairs to do in Spain every when you got there down, then you went back up to the dressing room, <laughs> then you went back down, then yeah. you went back up for half time, then you went back down. You did the stairs probably 10 times each time you're at the field. And you're like, no one actually considered it us when, like, you, when you designed this thing, yeah. surely. Yeah, no. And then they're like, oh, you've got a ramp and the ramp's like 200 metres long itself. 
So you're walking, so you're like dark quicker to do the stairs, but you don't want to do the stairs. Yeah. And like for me, being autistic as well, it was a massive, that's why I bring feet everywhere because I'm not, I'm not comfortable with new settings. Yep. So because I've never been here before, I'd never been introduced to you guys before. I was like, Fee, you're coming. So I drag her everywhere as well. And she's proper Scottish as well. So she, she's, she's yes. comfortable anywhere. Yes. <laughs> and she loves football. So she wakes me up at three o'clock in the morning going, Scotland's on. I'm like, oh. <laughs> she loves football. So let's good. Let's get, let's get, let's get to the football. Can you, um, and this is actually a cool question we can ask both of you. Can you talk to us about your favorite goal that you've scored? Is that internationally or? Oh, mate, you 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 tell us the favorite goal that you scored again, and it, it could even be one of those FIFA goals that you've scored representing you, Faye. <laughs> um, I think my favorite goal I've scored for Paris is it was against. Let's go to Germany one because I can't remember my first goal who I scored it against. Um, Germany one basically with an attack, and um, the balls dropped back halfway, and I've seen. A back post run, and I've like chipped it towards him, and I've chipped the goalkeeper on the way in. So I love it. Yeah. So all my goals internationally, I've scored outside of the box. So I'm pretty happy and ecstatic for that. And I love the fact that you're a marauding fullback as well as as someone who used to be a marauding fullback. The best way to play fullback is to not actually defend, just keep attacking and, yeah. and tell the fullback what they told their other <laughs> other winger what he got what they have to do. Yeah. And um, Helen, you've you've actually scored three goals. Yeah, so I've scored, I scored one in Japan. Oh, that's right. So I've scored two goals from being in goals, and then one feel from being out. But I think the one that I'm more proud of—not that I'm not happy with any of them—but my goal that I scored in the grand final against America, they, they were, um, they were changing goalkeepers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They would cha- they literally stopped the game for five minutes and they were changing goalkeepers to their three. So their threes are more abled. So they took their one out of goals and put their three in thinking, oh, we've got their two one up. We've got five minutes left. Let's put our three in goals because she can stop anything. Well, I was so mad because they were time wasting and I was so sorry and I just wanted to get it over with. So we had a free kick right on our goal line, not even the box. It was right on our goal line and he wouldn't let me move it forward anymore. So I was like, okay, whatever. So I stuck it on our goal line and I was so mad. So I just shonked it and it just kept going and going and then top of the goals and off it went. Did you? How did you celebrate? I ran and screamed like a girl. Did you, did you swear? I ran over to Cal and I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I was like, I, I literally just stood there screaming and I was like, what am I doing? And then I just saw her, so I just started running. And I was just like, what was that? It was a good goal and no one expected it. But I was like, just get Caitlin mad. Uh-huh. She'll get some goals. Maybe, maybe that's all we have to do for uh, for the week. Mm. I've Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't got a goal like that in my locker, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, guys, um, before we go... Once again, huge thank you. Thank you so much for coming down and giving us your time. Um, but again, what what can we, what do we want to tell people with the games happening this week? We're going to try to get down. Then we're going to try to take a day off. I hope my boss isn't listening to this, but I'm 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 going to take a registered day off. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. What do you, what what are the last things that you want to say to the listeners, to family, to friends, to people to come down and, and back you guys so that we can beat New South Wales? Um, I think you know, just come down and watch. It's at the Football State Centre um, between the 3rd of 
October to the 8th of October. Um, it's a different brand of football. It's seven aside, um, smaller pitch, no offside, uh, smaller goals, and it's very attacking. Um, a lot of transitions between, you know, goal to goal. It's, in some cases, there's high-scoring games, so the entertainment is there. Um, there, well, there are a lot of paroos coming down in terms of playing or just watching. Um, so if you want to meet Australian representatives and watch, you know, how they play and, you know, watch basically, as I like to describe it, an inspirational story on the field because everyone's got their own, you know, like you said, adversity. They've come, you know, from different races, different ethnics growing up. So, um, you know, it tells a story and it is different. So, you know, it is, I think personally... It's more entertaining than the Premier League because your, we your get, boy. Because you know we score goals and you know no one wants to watch two one against Wolves and Man City. I don't know. Is it more? Is it more uh, entertaining than the Catanaccio we see at uh, Serie A? Oh, that's very ill. They reckon that's the worst uh, <laughs> type of football, but you know it is tactical and you love it when it's you. That, that's why we won four World Cups. Okay, okay, gonna okay. we're going to get. We're England's going. only won one. Italy's won four. But in New Zealand's won none. It's exactly. Fine. <laughs> oh. So that's why we are the top of the, the football chain and all the best coaches in the world have come and coached in Italy or had their licensing in Italy. So all the Pep Guardiola fanboys out there, remember <laughs> Italy shots. is the greater nation in taking football. Shots. We, we were talking to Sandro um, off air before and uh, yeah, I, I feel for him because he's had to watch how many years now? Seven years of Allegri football at, uh, at Juve? Yeah, we've gone backwards, by the way. <laughs> Honestly, we go from Allegri to uh, Saudi and then Saudi ball. we go to Pirlo, which I thought he was fantastic. You know, we had Ronaldo at that point. And then we go all the way back to Allegri. We're going backwards. Like, you know, our next step was Zidane. I, I love that you even got the hands gestured coming oh, in as well. I well, can't is, even say that on camera. That's the best. That's the best. <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's been a headache. Like, you know, we've made two Champions League finals, one in 2015 and a later one against... I think it was 2015 and 2017. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. We, at the end of the day, we won two and we won none. We're the, uh, the team... In a Champions League that has lost the, uh, the, the most, most uh, mm. Champions League, so and and you also have the record for having the worst Champions League final that that one nil against uh, the the one you lost on penalties to to AC Milan. But we we, we won't we won't bring up yeah. the pain and suffering that you've had as a Juve yeah, fan. I wasn't there. Ka- so. Caitlin, tell us about um about what what people can do um to to support um how how we can help make sure that WA get over the line um this week. I think I think. Alessandro, I can agree. We, representing Australia, we thrive and do so much better on noise on the sideline. So the more people you get down there, the more cheering you hear, the more atmosphere you bring picks up athletes. So I think that's what we need to hear. If you're down there, you're down there, stream, shout, go home with a sore throat, take the next day off work if you want to. Just come down, scream out and support us all the way. I think that's I think that's it, man. I think that's the, the message that we want to say. Support us all the way. Any more for any more, Tommy Dolman? Couldn't have said it better myself than what, how Caitlin said it. Thank you all so much for listening. Wish you all the best. Let's go beat New South Wales. Thank you.